Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. Our flashback this week comes to us by way of a Twitter thread. Thanks to listener Kevin Frost for posing the question and kicking off the search for this story, and to Dozing Dragon for finally cracking the case. It's a tale of deep water and the eldritch terror that lurks there that's sure to leave you gasping for more. Children of the night, Let's dive into Airy Marmel's In Deepest Silence, which originally aired on episode 235, July 29th, 2016. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Depth is now 550 feet. 550 acknowledged. Ease the bubble. Let's straighten her out. Just another chorus of the daily song. The anthem of the USS Jacinto, SSN 744. Performance without an audience except the fish and the sharks and the octopus. Octopuses? Octopi? Whatever. Sonar? Nothing yet, Skipper. We'll keep it up, Petty Officer. They're around here somewhere. Ah, sir. Should it be possible for voices to blur together like these do, while the ear and brain still absorb every word? Maybe that's what our training's really for, to help us pull what we gotta know from what we hear, even when we don't really hear it. Because I know all the voices. Commander Pierce, Sam Franks, one of the two Sams on bow planes, Hogue on sonar. And I know what they're saying, but I don't really hear them anymore. They're like, I don't know. The audio equivalent of the dull glow that soaks everyone in the control room. Kind of a sickly glow, you know? The combination of humming bulbs and red and yellow and orange and greens of a couple dozen displays. I guess maybe that is the ultimate point of training all told. Way I see it, if we didn't know how to just pick what we needed out of the sounds and the lights and everything around us, it'd be too damn much. You'd just sit there staring like your brain just got kicked in the balls while the boat sank around you. Petty Officer DeMarco, the other Sam, steps away from his charts, squeezing around the con to hover at Hogue's shoulder. I can't hear what they're saying. Not that I'm really trying to. Problem, Quartermaster? DeMarco, currently standing Quartermaster of the Watch, 
looks up with a gloomy frown. Not sure, sir. The control room vibrates with the skipper's footsteps. Doesn't do that for anyone else, even though Commander Pierce isn't that big a guy. Guess maybe even the Sand Jack knows her boss. We're just coming up on the end of my first sub-tour, you see, and I still haven't really decided if the Navy is right for me. Most of the other guys are lifers, though Jones, chief of the boat, is getting on in years and might be retiring soon, and DeMarco's been talking about Hazel something or rather back home, and how she's starting to hint around the M word in her letters, and maybe he's not going to re-up this time. We keep telling him he has to, though. If we lose either him or Franks, we'll have to stop calling the boat the Two Sam Can. And in my first tour, and this is about the most action we've seen, exercises notwithstanding, and we're not even the right boat for the job, just happened to be the only sub nearby when it happened. Coast Guard got the call, and they called us. <laughs> Someone's got to get the Coasties their own subs one of these days. What do you mean, not sure, sir, exactly? I know that tone. Snaps me right out of my daydreaming, even though it's not aimed my way. Pierce can't be more than five foot eight, and rumor is he shaves his head so nobody can see how gray he's already going. But he's got the voice of a man twice his size. We're not afraid of him exactly, but nobody on the Sam Jack wants him angry. Sam DeMarco straightens. So does Alan Hogue, so smartly that his headphones almost come off his ears, and starts talking low and fast. I don't get all of it from way across the con, but I hear enough, combined with his hand flapping back and forth from the sonar readouts to his own displays, to get the gist. Huh. As usual, the skipper's voice carries a lot clearer. Recent seismic activity, maybe? Maybe, sir, DeMarco answers. He doesn't sound convinced. The readings don't match up with the charts of... And then I lose the thread again. Slow us up, the skipper says over his shoulder, ahead one-third. Helm! That's the XO, Lieutenant Commander Morgan. Dark hair, somehow tanned despite life down in this tin tube, and about as physically imposing as the skipper wasn't. Slow to all ahead one-third. All ahead one-third, aye. That's Andy Malhotra, sitting beside Seaman Franks. Malhotra's the only Indian aboard, and keeps telling us that he's our practice token until we're ready to handle an Arab. The San Jacinto shudders as Malhotra fiddles with the throttle, the propellers straining like horses eager to run. Or, that's how I think of them anyway, but I've never ridden, so who knows. Keep your ears open, Sonar, Pierce orders. Active and passive systems. All eyes and ears, aye, sir. Helm. Aye, sir. Malhotra again. Soundings don't match the charts around here. Sonar pipes up about an obstruction ahead. You correct for it. Don't wait for my order. Aye, sir. Hogue goes active on sonar, and every one of us hears the first faint ping as the system starts bouncing waves of sound through waves of water. Like a blind man tapping his cane, the San Jacinto picks her way through the crevices on the ocean floor. All cause some damn civvies got in over their heads. Literally. I hadn't heard the specifics. Didn't really care, either. Bunch of scientists and students. 
archaeological, geological, some kind of logical. Bunch of them messing around with something or other. And then all of a sudden, the Coasties get a couple of seconds of what might be a distress call. And of course, nobody's got any rescue subs anywhere nearby. Gonna take them over a day to get here, but us, well, we're running exercises not five hours away, and hey, could you go see if they're really in trouble? Do what you can until S&R gets there. Only, here we are, and... Nothing. No distress signal. No any signal, according to Seaman McKenna on radio. Sonar? The skipper asks again. I don't... Hogue scowls. Nothing clear, sir. Not even fish. I... I think I'm hearing something, but it's faint, and it's far. Details, petty officer. Uh, yes, sir. Bearing 037 relative. Helm, steer 037. Helm, the XO repeats. Barks, really. Steer 037. 037, aye, sir. We all feel the San Jacinto pitch a bit as she adjusts to her new course. Distance, sonar? Honestly, can't tell you, sir. Hogue sounds confused, with a small side order of apologetic. I can't get it clear. It's like when you're switching radio stations, sir, and you find one that almost reaches you, but not quite. So you keep thinking you can almost make out the lyrics. I assume you're not telling us that someone's singing to you, petty officer. No, sir, uh, of course not. Uh, just an apology, sir. Hogue leans in close over the display, as though he's trying to get closer to the source of the sound. At least 5,000 yards, though. We creep ahead slowly, silly little action figures in our steel packaging. Minutes crawl slowly past, staggering and dying, and I feel sweat beating on my forehead. I'm always hot in the control room, even though the San Jack's AC works just fine. Maybe I just run hotter than the other guys. Maybe it's the thought of the nuclear pile just sitting a few hundred feet away. You'd think I'd have gotten used to the idea, but it's always squatting in the back of my mind like a hobo taking a dump on the curb. I don't know, what. whatever, I'm hot. Sonar? Pierce repeats yet again. What? Everyone jumps at Hogue's shout like it's a shot, necks and chairs twisting as they stare. He's still hunched over the display one hand clapped to the side of his headphones like he's trying to push the damn thing right into his ear. Is there a problem, petty officer? The skipper asks, voice hard. Again, the con trembles with his footsteps as he moves to stand beside Hogue's station. No, sir. I'm sorry, sir. Really, I just... It's just... I swear there's something. Active sonar's not picking anything up, but I can hear something in the water out there. Singing again? I think it's Malhotra who asks, but I'm not sure. A couple of the guys chuckle, but it sounds forced. And even those fade away at the expression on Hogue's face. Skipper? Hogue says softly, and I swear he sounds like a little boy asking for his mommy. I think maybe. The entire boat slews sideways, twisting off course and rocking on its axis. 
The skipper grabs onto Hogue's chair, keeping his feet, but I see the XO and several of the seamen go staggering across the con like it was an old Star Trek episode. I don't black out exactly, but it takes a few seconds for my brain to catch up with my body, to fight through the sudden vertigo. When I can see again, Franks is helping Malhotra back into his seat, and the XO is pulling himself up against the far wall. A thin trickle of blood winds its way down the side of his face. Report! Did we hit something? Negative, Skipper. Malhotra and Franks fight with their helm controls, stabilizing course and depth. Least, I don't think so. Some kind of cross-current came out of nowhere. Or at least it might as well have, since Sonar didn't fucking warn us about it. Petty Officer Hogue. Pierce twists back to the man sitting before him. What the hell do you... What the fuck? Let me tell you, hearing the skipper like that... Okay, think about your grandma or your preacher reacting that way. You might have an idea how we feel. Every damn one of us stands and turns, ignoring our own stations, trying to see. If you know anything about Navy subs, you know that we're all supposed to be proficient with every duty station. Not expert. Can't be an expert at everything, right? But competent enough to take over if we have to. So every one of us who can see Hogue's sonar station can read the display. At least, sort of. That strange underwater current had slewed the San Jacinto around to face a rock wall some distance dead ahead. Nothing really special about it. Just part of the topography of the ocean floor. Nothing except for a huge archway. Natural, uneven, but damn near big enough for the sand jack to pass through sideways, gaping open in the rock face. We can tell that much, you see, from the active sonar. The bounce back of those annoying little pings draws a shape across the sensors in the display. But through the arch? <laughs> That's fucked up something fierce. Parts of the image are completely blank, like the sounds not echoing back at all. Other sections are fuzzy, the edges of the image is unclear. In some cases, they're even overlapping. Like some of the sound waves were knocked straight back while others punched halfway through the rock before bouncing. You ever seen a reel of film stutter and burn? If you can picture sound doing that, and then the sonar trying to make a visual blob out of it, maybe you can imagine what we see. I barely can, and I'm looking at it. And we can see something else, too. Something the active sonar's pinging back to us. Something we don't need Hogue's headphones to read. We got movement, the skipper shouts, peering over the petty officer's shoulder. Hogue, range and bearing to target? Hogue! And Hogue straightens in his chair, and begins, in a cracking voice, to sing. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Mama's gonna buy you a hummingbird. Does it say something about me that my first thought, once I can manage one, is he's singing it wrong? It's supposed to be Mockingbird? Petty Officer Ho, god damn it! Commander Pierce grabs the chair in both hands, spins it around so he can stare Hogue full in the face, and then falls back with a cry. Hogue's head is tilted sideways, 
listening intently to whatever he's hearing through the passive sonar. Tears flow freely through his tightly squeezed eyelids. A trail of snot glistens across his upper lip, and a thick trickle of warm, rich blood bubbles up from beneath the headphones, painting his sideburns in thick shades of crimson. And if that diamond ring turns brass, Hogue! Mama's gonna buy you. God damn it, get base up here! Lieutenant Commander Morgan's already reaching for the nearest handset. Senior Chief Base to the control room. Senior Chief Base to Con ASAP. Skipper. Sam DeMarco points a shaking finger at the sonar. Again, with the active systems going, it doesn't take a guy plugged into the board to see the signs of movement coming at us out of that fucked up stone archway. Damn it. Callan, get over here. But Pierce doesn't wait for Seaman Callan to relieve Hogue at sonar. With the boat off kilter, an unknown target bearing down on us, the skipper shoves the singing petty officer from the chair and slaps on the headphones himself. And just as quickly they're off again, dangling loose from the cord as Commander Pierce launches himself back from the board like it's bitten him. I don't know what he heard, whether it was the same as Hogue, but just in that split second his face has gone pale, his eyes wide. Sir! Seaman Jason Callan, red and freckled as an Irishman, skids to a halt, eyeing the station with more than a little trepidation. And just because the con's not chaotic enough already, Senior Chief Hospital Corpsman Philip Bass bursts through the hatchway, sprinting like a man half his age, a second corpsman close behind him. What in the hell's going... He stops, staring down at Hogue's tear and snot and blood-smeared face, singing up at him from the deck. What happened to- Callan. Pierce draws himself up, standing almost too stiffly, like he's at attention. Take over for Hogue. Shut down all passive receivers. Go active only. I don't want you listening to anything out there but the sonar ping. Base. Hogue just lost it. Heard something out there that- I don't know what. Just get him out of here and stable for now. We'll deal with the rest later. What? But, Skipper, I can't treat a man properly if I don't. God damn it, just get to it! They get to it. Pierce jumps back into his own chair, grabbing both arms. I swear it looks like he's pulling his shoulders down, forcing them to stop hunching around his neck. Callan. He begins more softly. Range. Skipper? Every movement, and I swear every sound, stops so we can hear that soft, shaking voice. I'll admit, I turn away from my station, and I'm sure as shit not the only one to stare at that sticky mask of Hogue's face. Skipper? Yes, Hogue? How can it know what she's saying to me, Skipper? How can it know her name? And then... For long seconds, there's only Hogue's broken sobs. Get him out of here, base, Pierce orders. Do what you can for him. Then, more forcefully, with a mental shake that every damn one of us can see, All hands, battle stations, sonar! He's shouting now over the voice of Bogdanovich. That's Petty Officer Bogdanovich, standing chief of the watch, repeating battle stations on the IMC. Range and bearing. Callan's gaze skitters over the display. 
I'm guessing he's trying to accustom himself to using the thing without most of the systems running. Uh, bearing 019er relative. 3,200 yards, closing at... He swallows audibly. Closing at 30 knots. Say again, Sonar? Confirmed, sir. Three zero knots. Jesus Christ. Get me a firing solution. Pierce grabs a transmitter off to the side of his chair. Torpedo room. Torpedo room I. Crackles back. I want tubes one through four loaded and ready to flood. Aye, sir. For a moment, before the line is closed, we all hear the clatter and clank of the weapons crew springing to life. Where's my damn firing solution? Skipper, target is increasing speed. It... Oh, shit. Not a man in the control room needs that oh, shit translated. Brace for impact, Pierce calls. For once, the XO doesn't have time to parrot the order. Not that there's a one of us who didn't hear it the first time. Except that, when it comes, it's not an impact. Not exactly. The sand jack jerks to an abrupt halt, just like you'd expect. Braced or not, men tumble forward, smacking arms or chests or heads on control panels. The control room turns red under emergency lighting. Fills with groans and blaring alarms. The stench of small electrical fires and sweat. And just the tiniest whiff of blood. And then, as we're hauling ourselves back into our seats, the sounds go away. Overwhelmed by the creaking and screeching of compressed metal. Not from the prow, like you'd expect in a collision. No, first from the starboard. Then above, to the port, back to starboard, and always, always further and further aft. Almost, almost, like the boat compressing in the pressure of deep waters, but slower, and so much more gradual. This isn't the sound of anything that might have struck us. This is the sound of the San Jacinto being squeezed. Crazy images of sea serpents and krakens pass in front of my eyes, and damn if I don't actually laugh out loud. Kind of an ugly, high-pitched cackle. Thankfully, I don't think any of the guys hear me. Helm. The skipper's voice is almost steady. I don't know how he manages it. What's our speed? Speed? Malhotra clears his throat, twice. <clears throat> uh, negative. We're not moving, sir. Go full throttle. Give me all a head full. All a head full, aye. The San Jacinto shakes and shimmies, like we were all at a big dance somewhere, and the walls reverberate with the propeller's cavitations. But we barely move. A brief sensation of motion, another jerk, and then nothing. Either we really have run into something this time, or whatever's holding us is stronger than 35,000 horsepower. All astern full. All astern full, aye, sir. Are we moving this time? It's hard to tell. Helm, quartermaster, Pierce says. Give me something. Engines are showing a stern full, skipper, but... Malhotra clears his throat again. 
Petty Officer DeMarco scoots over to stand beside him for quick conversation, then back to his charts and his own display. We're, uh, we're showing movement, Skipper, but no better than maybe two knots? Jesus. Sonar? It's, uh, it's moving with us, sir. Callan whimpers, just a little hysterical. Whatever the hell it is, we're dragging it with us. Around us, the hull of the San Jacinto continues to creak and whine and scream under the pressure. I swear she's starting to sound like a wounded animal. Pierce and Morgan trade glances. All right, cut him. I'll stop. I'll stop, sir. The cavitations in the water and the hum of the struggling engine fade, leaving, once again, just the creaking of the hull. Another moment. A moment more. And then... XO? Chief? Time to shake this fucker loose. Pierce takes a deep breath. Surface! Emergency blow! Now we can't even hear the hull anymore, not over a dozen shouted orders at once, and the screaming auga of the diving alarm. Surface, 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 emergency blow, helm, full rise on the planes, all ahead flank, stern, full rise on the planes, 40 degrees up bubble. This is Chief of the Watch on the IMC, all hands emergency surface. Bogdanovich reaches over his head, twists a pair of valves, and the entire boat shakes with a bang loud enough to give a bullet performance anxiety. All along the boat, compressors fire air into the ballast tanks, displacing the seawater in a matter of seconds. And the San Jacinto begins to rise. Not as quickly as it should. Emergency blow is normally like an express elevator from hell. But enough. Depth is now five zero zero and rising, Sam Franks announces. Whether the shaking in his voice is fear or just the rumbling of the boat, I can't guess. Four five zero and rising. Sonar? It's still with us, sir. Four zero zero and rising. Three five zero and rising. Still with us, sir. Why won't it let us go? Why? Steady, petty officer. He, yes, sir. Two five zero and rising. God damn it, it's still. Wait, Skipper, it. I can only figure that Callan's about to tell us the thing, whatever it is, has let go. But it's not like he needs to. The San Jacinto trembles, and then we're shooting upward, fast enough to drive my stomach pretty much into my left big toe. The boat noses upward, a bunch of the guys fall back. For an instant, gravity seems to shut down entirely, and I know we've breached the surface. It's an amazing sight. Plumes of white water and a 6,000-ton whale that you'd swear was taking flight. I kind of wish I were somewhere outside where I could see it. The San Jacinto comes down in the water with a tremendous crash and roar, one we hear clear through the hull. And then, just like that, nothing more. It's calm. Everything but the skipper, anyway. Sonar, you keep an eye on that damn thing. Radio, get me command now. All stations, damage report. 
It takes a few to sort everything out. But, best as I can overhear, we've actually gotten off pretty lucky so far. A few bruises and contusions. A few electrical fires and a single small leak. But no broken bones or serious injuries. No damage that we can't fix. No joy, Skipper. McKenna reports. I'm not finding any damage to the radio, but I'm just not getting any response either. Either there's some kind of interference messing with the signal, or there's nobody left to answer. He's probably kidding with the last option, but not a one of us feels like chuckling. Keep at it, Pierce orders. Sonar? Still just floating there, sir, about 250 feet down. What can you tell me about it? Not a thing, sir. Still just a blob on the display. Callan pauses, frowns, swallows. I could, uh... I could turn the receivers back on, sir. See if I can... No! Everyone else jumps. Callan just looks relieved. For a few minutes, then, everything's the clack and clatter of boards and displays. The grunt of guys making minor repairs. The droning repetition from McKenna over the radio. We're all freaked and trying not to show it, but it feels like, just maybe, the worst of it is over. Still nothing, Skipper, McKenna announces. Maybe we... Skipper! Callan leans over his display. It's moving away, sir! Pierce practically comes out of his seat. Speed and bearing? About twenty-five knots, sir. Bearing one-seven-seven relative and diving fast. The skipper doesn't even need to consult the charts for that one. Back to the arch. Looks like, sir. Another brief pause as Pierce rubs a knuckle across his lips. Then... Helm, bring us about one-seven-seven. All ahead flank. Chief of the Watch, prepare to dive. Sir? I'm not sure who says it, but damned if it's not the closest thing I've heard to one of the crew questioning a direct order. That thing's proven itself hostile, gentlemen. We still don't know what it did to Hogue, or what happened to the civilian operation we were sent to find. Get after it! Again, the repeated orders and the crosstalk. Again, the dive alarm, and we're off. Depth 300 and passing, sir. Sonar? Target speed increasing to 30 knots, bearing dead ahead. Get me a firing solution. Torpedo room? Aye, sir. Flood tube 1. Flooding tube 1, sir. Pierce drums his fingers on the side of the transmitter. Sonar? Firing solution laid in, sir. Torpedo room. Open the outer doors on tube one. You have permission to fire. A faint thub rocks the San Jacinto, followed by the inevitable, Torpedo away. Every eye that doesn't absolutely have to remain on its own display turns toward Callan at sonar. Range to target 2,000 yards in closing, he recites. Nineteen hundred? Eighteen hundred? Seventeen hundred? I'm staring across the con, straight at the sweeping arm on the sonar display when it happens. On one sweep, the torpedo's closing on target, 
Callan calling out a distance of less than a hundred feet. And on the next, just before detonation, it's simply heading elsewhere, moving away at a sharp upward angle. We hear the faint thrum of the shockwave through the hull. Target. Target remains, sir. Torpedo missed. Pierce doesn't ask how. Neither does anyone else. Probably because nobody wants to actually give voice to the idea that the fucking thing just batted the torpedo aside. Torpedo room, the skipper says, his voice hoarse. Flood tube two. He doesn't have the chance to fire, though. Right about then, the thing we're chasing drops almost straight down, vanishing from Callan's display. Through the arch. The only place it could have gone is through the arch. At the skipper's orders, Malhotra and Franks bring us around, slow and creeping, until the San Jacinto points nose first, like a bloodhound into that gaping maw, and the fucked up sonar readings inside. And yeah, they're still fucked up. Wavering blank spots where the sounds just vanish, overlapping angles, double images, faint images, like some of the rocks and contours are only partly there. Readings the computer won't even try to interpret, just blotches on the screen. Callan looks like he wants to cry. But there's movement, too. Just a hint of something swimming, flowing, climbing through and over and behind the impossible shapes. Helm. I've never heard the skipper's voice that quiet yet it carries clear across the con. All ahead one-third. Take us in after it. I swear I can hear half a dozen necks craning around so we can all stare at Commander Pierce. Skipper? It's Morgan, the XO, who first gave us voice. I'm really not sure that we... Are you questioning my orders, Lieutenant Commander? It's just... I... Sir? Callan again, his lips actually quivering. Those readings? I'm not sure I can direct Helm to steer us around any obstructions. Not with such strange... We'll keep it slow, seaman. But... Skipper, I... Sir, with all respect, I really... Everyone stand down. Pierce is on his feet again, eyes wide. Fists clenched so tight they're shaking and whale-belly pale. You saw the fucking thing attack us. You saw what it did to Hogue. That should be enough for you. You know why we have to do this. But we don't. Not really. And we know that he's not telling us either. We can all see Pierce's eyes, wide and unblinking, flitting constantly back to Callan at the sonar station to the headphones he's wearing. And I know the guys are wondering, just like I am, what the hell had the skipper heard out there? What did he know that we didn't? What the fuck had really happened to Hogue? Perfectly calm once again, Pierce sits back down. All ahead one-third, he repeats softly. His face ashen, Malhotra eases the throttle forward. Ahead. Ahead one-third. 
I... And then there's... Confusion. Fear. What the hell are we doing? The skipper's lost it. Gotta get out of here. No, gotta get out for that damn thing. Listen, listen. Oh, sweetie, it's time for bed. We love you. Mama's gonna buy you a diamond ring. Oh, stop. Make it stop. Oh, God, make it stop. Joints hurt every day now. Just a little, but getting worse. Probably about time to hang it up. I've made E8, been chief of the boat for years. Time to hang it up. Just wish it didn't hurt so... Enough. Definitely done. I should be home with Hazel right now, lying on top of her, feeling her hair and her breath and her boobs, not stuck in this tin can sausage fest. Fuck am I doing here? This ain't what I signed up for. Get these things off of me. Saw what they did to Hogue. Oh, Jesus God, I can't stop sweating. Gotta take a piss so bad. Fit for command? I should do something. I should have done something. Now it's too late now. And that's all me. And it's all them. And there's no difference. And now it's pain. Oh God, pain the like I can't describe. Agony like nothing any of us have ever felt. Like nothing anyone has ever felt. The San Jacinto moves through places that couldn't exist. Angles that didn't line up in any geometry human minds could understand. Spaces between and around and under spaces. Whatever had attacked us, it came from somewhere else. Somewhere outside and God help us, we followed it. Followed it through a corridor bound in dimensions completely unrelated to height and width and depth. Dimensions we were never made for. Spaces we could never fit. <laughs> Except that we pushed too hard. And now, squeezed from directions that have no names, we fold and compress and flow until we do. On the far end of the passage, another arch leading back into the ocean not more than a few hundred yards from where we'd started. We drift out, the mangled mass that was once the USS San Jacinto and her crew, and slowly settle on the ocean floor. So we wait. Just wait, blind and deaf and silent, for the water to slowly corrode us away until we waft apart and maybe... Maybe the long and endless nothing will end. Until then, we're denied even the feeble comfort of prayer. For not all of us believe. And even if we did, the cold steel offers us no tongue to voice our cries. That was Airy Marmel's In Deepest Silence, as read by Devin McLaughlin. For more details about this story, or to hear it in context of the full episode, check out the link in the show notes. And until next time, children of the night, stay safe and stay scared.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.